Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. One important takeaway from our podcasts is that the Federal Reserve is the strongest force on the planet for interest rate trends and price inflation. However, as powerful as the Fed is in these two domains, it is not a direct determinant of new business investments and how related job growth can be stimulated. We are moving closer to regaining many jobs that were lost in the pandemic, but a major issue is that we're not adding substantially to new jobs creation. That was also the case before the pandemic. Let's talk about a couple of key industries specifically the leisure, hospitality, and restaurant areas of our economy pre-COVID accounted for over 10% of our nation's workforce. In addition, another industry segment, transportation and transportation-related, employed over 13 million people, accounting for almost 10% of workers in the United States. These two economic segments of the economy together account for actually well over 20% of the pre-COVID workforce, and these are areas that are often in the news today. UCLA's Anderson School of Research, as well as our UCLA Extension's Restaurant Executive Advisory Board, are finding that significant pay increases are in the works and actually continue to be needed as a motivator for the pre-COVID workers to accept risks of COVID infection, as well as returning to a career that's really more defined by transitory work than a career itself. Let's just note this as inflation alert one. Moving on to transportation, warehousing, and port operations, We are learning that supply chains are not only disrupted more seriously than many had thought earlier in the year, but the transportation issues have serious inflationary wage increases also in the offing. Four of the five largest transportation-related occupations involve driving. These four occupations, which are heavy-duty, light-duty, delivery truck drivers, and school bus drivers, employ almost 4 million workers and account for over one-third of total transportation-related employment. The average compensation for transportation-related occupations, including wages and benefits, was $6.50 per hour less than the average wage of all occupations back in 2017. So these are the lower-wage occupations. And back in 2017, the total fully loaded wage with benefits included was in the $36 area across the United States. And these transportation driver-related jobs paid then closer to $29.50 or so. It's the lower category that we are struggling to return to the workforce. These traditionally lower wage categories are now front and center, and significant wage increase potential exists for the rest of this year and certainly into next year. We've mentioned in prior podcasts the nationwide driver shortage now estimated close to 1 million drivers, with the heavy-duty or long-haul truckers demanding and receiving double-digit pay increases in recent months. This is only the beginning as the wage increase momentum is picking up, and this is inflation alert number two. 
The scenario alert for 2021 continues to play up pretty much along the lines we communicated and expected in our prior podcasts. For example, there's a continuation of the non-sustainable levels of new debt added by our federal government with another $1 trillion approved by Congress this week and the president itching to sign it. Additionally, inflation, both at the consumer level and the producer level, are hitting new highs each month. Third, a stock and bond market is becoming riskier and riskier as the new money added to the system is accepted by many large investors as kind of an insurance policy. In other words, they feel the markets just can't reverse and go down at this particular time. Supply chain issues are becoming more and more persistent. And the ports are in the news, but the supply chain issues involve more than the ports. They involve the semiconductor industry, which is struggling to build new plants and equipment. They involve parts for new aircraft. They are involving parts for new cars beyond semiconductors. And many items are in shortage as you visit your hardware store and your grocery store. In total, these supply chain issues are becoming more persistent, and that is going to be resolved by higher cost structures. So higher cost structures in the supply chains, that's inflation alert three. China is facing a debt crisis stemming from overinvestments in real estate for the past decade plus. It's difficult to assume that the global economy is going to get strong growth from China as it has in the past 20 years. Asset values are high by all measures, but continue to go higher, creating a larger crisis when asset values ultimately do return to their long-term value relationships. In the meantime, I agree with the thought often attributed to John Maynard Keynes, He was not only well-known as an economist, but maybe less well-known, but someone who made a fortune trading the stock market. The quote attributed to him is, markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So the takeaway, which I agree with, is to be careful, as you may be correct in the long run, about the market having a severe crisis. But whether it's a day away, a week away, a month away, a quarter of away, that's not something that can be reliably bet upon. So the short-term irrationality may continue, and if you try to call a top in the stock market or the bond market, it actually could cost you your savings. And you could be right. It's just the timing. Following recent podcast tradition, I want to introduce you to another really successful financial advisor to the ultra-wealthy, who is also known for his in-depth knowledge of the global bond markets. It's always useful to remember that the bond markets are much larger in market value than the world's stock markets, which is one other reason why interest rates play a crucial role in all financial markets and Federal Reserve policy. James Rickards is the person I'd like to introduce to you, and he is an American lawyer, economist, investment banker, speaker, media commentator, and author. He wrote the book Currency Wars, The Making of the Next Global Crisis, My context today, though, is his panel discussion about a week ago at the globally respected New Orleans Financial Conference. The YouTube video I'm recommending and posting on the SoundCloud page has a bonus. It not only features Jim Rickards, but it features Danielle DiMartino Booth, both discussing financial and cryptocurrency issues. 
Once again, I guarantee you will benefit in understanding of our current high-risk economic environment with specific suggestions for action well worth your consideration. Back to the Federal Reserve. The Fed has made a decision to keep the status quo as recently as their early November meeting several days ago. Sure, they'll begin to cut back in their bond purchases month to month, but they will not allow interest rates to be set by the marketplace. I'm talking about short-term interest rates. As I've mentioned in prior podcasts, they can't for very long, for maybe a matter of days, control the long-term interest rate market. They'll keep control by issuing more currency for the short-term interest rate market. And ultimately, in my view, they will be buying most of the newly issued debt the federal government continues to require and issue month after month. And now, the new trillion-dollar debt associated with the newest federal spending bill. My bet is the Fed will pause in their tapering program as needed to keep interest rates artificially low and therefore keep real estate stocks and bonds flying high as long as possible. That being said, the asset markets just mentioned over their entire histories experience substantial sell-offs from time to time, and we are way overdue. Here's an example of how way overdue we appear to be. This is more than a trivia question, but how many times in the U.S. history has the stock market, the S&P stock index, gone up 16 days of the prior 18 days? In other words, in an 18-day period in the history of the Standard & Poor's stock market index and our stock market, how many periods have we've only had two down days in 18 days? And the answer is, it's never happened before, but did occur in the past month. Keep in mind, adjustments in prices when record prices continue upward can happen at virtual light speed. And we've seen this recently. The new and wildly popular squid game crypto token lost 99.99% of its record high price in a matter of minutes. Less dramatic, many stock market corrections have dropped stock prices 10 to 25% pretty much across the board, in a matter of a short number of days. Is that a reason now to sell all the stocks someone owns? I don't think so. So no. But it is a consideration for lightening up on profitable past stock and bond investments in favor of holding more cash. When the largest global investors decide it's time to lighten up, look out below. And this is an important risk factor right now, in my opinion. When more of those parties make a decision to lighten up, it can create a huge negative momentum that can drop the stock market substantially in a matter of days. It has before, it will again. The Fed is arguably the most important ingredient in the world's economic stew, but it only has certain powers. Those powers are huge, but not sufficient to keep economies on a long-term growth track. They do have a dual mandate, they've had it since 1913, and that is price stability, which is inflation-focused, and full employment. And if they are not agile, and the markets actually demand certainty, they do not demand agility. In this case, I'm defining the markets to mean the top thousand or so investors and investment groups globally. But if they are not agile, their momentum can easily overshoot which I believe is happening as we live right now. The large investment groups are invested 
for more of the same, in other words, the continuity or the status quo, but that will be perceived to change at some point because it has to. And at the present time, the Fed is not getting the results that they want. It's creating some discomfort within the Federal Reserve Governor Group, which is itself a little bit unusual. For example, despite their vast money creation powers and control of the short-term interest rate environment, the Federal Reserve cannot control other key ingredients for economic recovery. They cannot directly control new investments by business. They cannot directly control new jobs created. They can hope low interest rates result in new investment, but that's not happening. It has not been happening since pre-COVID and before that. Regulations impact investment and new job creations. They don't control that. Federal Reserve certainly does not control taxes. Tax policy is a volatile ingredient in the economic stew right now. They don't control U.S. government debt. Certainly no one can control Congress. And Congress has been on a path and continues on a path to add trillions of dollars of new debt pretty much as fast as they can. After this trillion-dollar bill, another $2 trillion bill is in process and threatens to be passed around Thanksgiving. So overall, there are major influences on the future, the near-future markets. It's dangerous to be too comfortable that the Fed status quo is going to be enough of an insurance policy to keep the markets elevated and even continuing to increase in price. So I hope that you give this volatile environment additional thought. I hope for nothing more than your protection and personal and family growth. So in the meantime, be very careful, be vigilant, continue to be observant. Thank you. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornaden. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.